to Fancy Town Crimes Podcast, a podcast about crimes in fancy towns told by middle-class broads. All right, well, hello, everybody. Hey, guys. This is Megan. And it's Taylor. And it's Fancy Town Crimes. We're back. And we are kind of living off of that high of the... uh, fairly successful valentine's thing i would say it was fairly successful it was a lot of fun it was an absolute blast and thank you so much for everyone who joined in even if you join in for like a couple of minutes we greatly appreciate it hope you had a little fun yeah absolutely i think we're definitely gonna do more of that because it's fun to like actually engage with Mm -hmm. our audience too like you know right now we're just all we do is talk at you so it'd be great to have you join in the fun sometimes oh my mom had critiques right oh okay I'm ready this is Mary Ellen critique corner this is gonna probably become a thing (laughs) so she she's like oh I watched it and she's like and listen like your room looks great like it's very clean the closet in the background was very clean but it was her closet in the background <laughs> and taylor has this really nice area i was like mom the oh, really was literally in the background and she's like i know but she's got nice my mom's obsessed with me hanging things on the wall which okay fair i do need to hang uh... things on the wall but nothing's hanging on my walls right now because i just painted them a little while ago and yeah. i have to like put all the nails back in and put everything back up and well Mary Ellen should know that I took all of the diaper bags off of the (laughs) changing table behind me before I did that live recording because I sat down in front of my phone and I was like oh that background does not look good (laughs) see mom it's not just me she won't listen so thank you Mary Ellen if you do listen that you thought that my background looked good because it's a disaster in here (laughs) Oh, I wouldn't say disaster. I mean, you also have a child too. It's yes. not like that easy to maintain it, things. No. It's been uh the the house is definitely like the least priority in this house at the moment. It's uh well, keeping the child alive is number 1. That's the top priority. Keeping Piper alive is number 2. It is correct. Yes. You guys maintaining life is 3. And I mean, that's already 3 things. That's a hell of a lot of things you have it's to do. It's a lot of I mean, honestly, 3 things is about all I can handle <laughs> right now. So, that's about where it ends. So then, you know, when we don't get to literally anywhere in the house, you should see the laundry. The laundry is the thing. The lot like it's not that there's like there's just a ton of clean laundry. That's the problem. There's clean laundry not put away everywhere. Because who has time for that? You know what I do? You know what I've been starting to do? Tell me. Because Brandon gives me so much shit for having like clean laundry. And then I'm like, oh, it's clean. I'm like pulling it out of the basket. And then like dirty clothes are like going on the floor slash half of the basket. It's just a nightmare. <laughs> so I've been dumping it out on my bed so that before I can go to bed, I have to actively yeah. fold everything. Totally. I So that's what I used to do pre-baby is I'd dump it all out on the bed. Sometimes I'd come into the bedroom and Jeff had put it back into the basket and was in bed. So <laughs> I love uh, Jeff so much. So that one didn't work all the time. But, when, but now the problem is the baby sleeps in our bedroom. So she goes to bed and then I can't put any clothes away because it's dark in our bedroom and mm. my drawers are underneath my underneath my bed and she we have a very small bedroom I don't (laughs) telling you how our bedroom is configured will just be confusing 
I can't do it. It's not possible. I'll just cry instead. <laughs> oh, actually, so funny enough, I actually meant to tell you this before we started recording, but here tell we me. So you know how my neighbors sold their, their yes. house? Yes, And yes, they yes. sold it for a pretty penny. Like they did, they had so many offers. Good for them. So I get a letter in the mail today and I'm like, uh, I do Did I, you? Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know this return address. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. So I open it up and for context, I live in a duplex technically. So like their house mirrors my house. Yeah. It's like, it's a town, like a townhouse style duplex. Can you guess what the letter was about? They wanted to buy your side. Yes. Someone was outbid for the other side and they wanted to buy it. And I was I'm- like, literally not surprised this is so bold number one number two my side is still way under construction compared to theirs like I have these heinous red carpets downstairs still yeah well it's an investor they don't care they want they want like I would assume it's an investor they want both sides so they can rent rent them out and just make it easier on themselves well no it wasn't the same people that bought the other side oh it was was somebody it was somebody who was outbid Wow. They had like the second best offer, apparently. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. what, what, was the offer good? <laughs> it, there was no offer. It was just like, if you plan to sell, which I hope you are right now. And I'm like, it's what? <laughs> I'm, I can't move. Money <laughs> <laughs> in this pandemic. No. Oh, like, oh my God. Another house. Like, I know. Seriously. But and seriously, and like buying a house right now is crazy because Mm -hmm. there's one so little inventory and everything is like just like your neighbors going for so high over asking price because there's just so little inventory. Well, and I I felt bad too because I'm like, because obviously, like you helped me buy this house, you were my realtor, and we like walked through and it was, I loved it, Mm -hmm, even though it was. mm Ugo as shit. So you had vision. You had vision. That's what's important. And the funniest thing is this sat on the market for at least a month. Oh, it did. Yeah. Which was exactly why it was a great choice. But because it didn't look as nice as mm-hmm. my neighbors did, everyone like let it be. Yep. Hot tip. Hot tip. If you're house hunting, go for the house that's been sitting on the market for a while Unless there's some sort of structural issue, it's usually that one, there's a stigma once it's on the market for a certain amount of time. People are like, ooh, why it's been on the market? I don't want to go, like, something must be wrong. Something might not be wrong. It might just be sitting because it's ugly. So don't look for the, look for the hidden gems. That's my real look estate for corner. The uggos. <laughs> Find the uggos. Oh, and also uh, never skip inspection never ever ever sip no as a as a home buyer unless you like really know what you're doing which is very very few people you should always have a home inspection i always have i as an investor i always have a home inspection that it it, because girl after after the home inspection i had almost bought a house and Mm -hmm. the inspection came back and i was like oh and it was something oh, that we we oh, never would have known about. Like you're we gonna never, fall through the floor soon. Yeah, we never would have known about it because there was no basement. Mm-hmm. So there was it was nothing that we could have seen when we were there. So Correct. that's the se- second real estate advice. Real estate corner. Real estate <laughs> corner. <laughs> <laughs> I know there was a topic you wanted to bring up. What was that topic? Oh, well, it actually has to do with where we're going today. Okay, wait, Um, before you ask that then, I have a serious question. I've been meaning to ask this. I always forget. I just want to make sure I ask. Like, okay. Do your parents call it a Swifter? 
like like a like, like a, a Swiffer like, wet jet. Do they call it a Swifter? My parents don't have one, so I w- I'm gonna say if they did, probably yes, but they don't have that. My parents like ever since it came out, it's always been Swiffer, and they call it a Swifter. And I'm just I'm just wondering, is this all Boomer parents? Like, is is that just a thing they just got together and said, oh, it's Swifter? <laughs> Why would we call it Swiffer? It's Swifter. Ask my parents like I don't know if they've I don't think they've ever owned maybe they have owned a Swiffer and I'm just not I'm just not aware we're gonna have to tag Swiffer I mean maybe Swiffer will like sponsor us hey Swiffer you want to sponsor us (laughs) I have I have a Swiffer I have lots of Swiffer products I use enough of them correct um also if you just want to give us some free Swiffer pads like I would take that as well I am am in for that Um, but I also, I really want to know, and I hope people respond to this on the Instagram. Is it a Swiffer or is it a Swifter? What yeah. do your parents call it? I what want you, to know. Uh, and I'll let y'all update you next episode what my parents call it. I'll have to remember to ask them. <laughs> we'll have to remember to make a post that says Swiffer or Swifter. Swiffer or Swifter. <laughs> I'll make a note of that. Fem Energy are female empowerment tees with style that make a social statement. Boss Babe Shauna Henderson designs clothing with messages of positivity and love to bring light into a dark world. I personally love the Woman Up and Feminist Dog Lover tees. These tees are not only fashionable, but some are sold exclusively to support women's rights organizations, as well as donations to Black Women's Health Imperative. So you'll be stocking your wardrobe with clothing you'll love and know your purchase is making a difference in someone's life. You can search through styles and purchase your tees on Instagram at fem.energy, that's F-E-M-M dot energy, or femenergy on Etsy at etsy.com slash shop femenergy. So go check them out today. All right, so go for it. What's your question about where we're going today? So so today we're going to Key Biscayne, is that yep. Correct, yeah. Florida. That's, that's my knowledge of how it's pronounced. Okay, got it. So, as you may or may not know about me, if you've been listening for a while, so I have a five-month-old. She just turned five months old today. Yay! And I don't sleep a lot, uh, like ever. So my brain doesn't work most of the time. Not that it really worked before, but now it like really doesn't work. <laughs> so when Megan texted me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, what did you, it was, it, I said, I, mean, it, I think I said the location or no, Key Biscayne is the location or I, no, I'm doing Key Biscayne. I'm That's what I going, said. I'm, I'm going to Key Biscayne this week. Something this week. I, I got, maybe oh, I'm doing Key Biscayne this week. I'm looking it up. I have to look and see what you said, because I am telling you, I'm doing Key Biscayne this week, exclamation point. Key Biscayne, Florida, FL, you wrote. Mm-hmm. And I got that text message. 1.15 in the afternoon. It wasn't like it was like, you know, early I in the morning. I should have texted you at 1.15 a.m. Oh, my God. I probably would have been clearer, yeah. It probably would have been. <laughs> and I read that text message like 16 times. And I'm like, I'm doing Key Biscayne FI this week. I'm doing keep Biscayne FI this week. And I literally was about to text you back and say, that's great. Can you remind me what uh, keep Biscayne is? Or was this text message not meant for me? <laughs> I had literally no 
idea what that text message that meant. I thought FL was FI. Because you texted me back and you're like, oh, that's the location. And I was like, I went back and read my text message and I was like, did I? Nope. It was a hundred percent me. It was absolutely my mom brain. But anyway, so we are going to Key Biscayne, Florida. Uh, I wish I was at right now. Oh my gosh, me too. Um, and also to all the people in Texas, I hope that, um, I don't know if we have a lot of people from Texas who listen to us, but if you are in Texas, I hope that you're safe. Um, and staying warm out there because that is really scary everything that's going on there well also kind of insane so brandon's parents are in texas oh yeah i forgot and his, about that. his mother got so i will say this i'm not taking anything away from the texans because i do not think that area is built for snow and i think that's mm-hmm. why they're struggling so much because it's yeah. like it's legit not built for snow like yeah, his mom yeah. texted us and was like our pipes froze yeah and it was like seven degrees and i'm like shit your pipes are freezing at seven degrees yeah. like that's not a thing that really happens here. No. Yeah. Every, all over Texas, people's uh, like large apartment buildings, like there's yeah. been pictures of like I, literal ice skating rinks in like large apartment building hallways from yeah. pipes freezing. Cause they're not, I don't Do we insulate pipes here? We must. We must, or we, I guess when we lose power, we just know to keep the water running. I don't know. But I mean, regardless, like it, she was saying that like a pipe burst and uh, she got locked down. She works at a hospital. She got locked down at the hospital for like an extra day. But it's it just like goes to show you when like how infrastructure can fail you mm-hmm. if like if if nobody steps up to deal with it. Well, not for nothing, but with climate change, um, we should really be prepared for everything, including us out here. Like we I know. really need to be prepared for more than what we've seen weather-wise ever. Yeah, no, it's it's a really good point. So yeah, I, no, I do, I feel bad for Texas. I really do. That sucks. I hope you have like some shovels and some salt for the, because I don't think they have any salts for the they road. They don't have it. No, nothing. They don't what have it, like plows. Totally. Yeah. No, they don't have anything like that. This girl that I went to college with, she's originally from Texas and she moved back there and she posted on Instagram. Um, and she was like, I moved to Texas to escape this weather. And she was like, I, and she was doing something like trying to get stuff off her car and like trying to get her car out because it's, you know, buried, but she's like, mm-hmm. I don't have a shovel. I don't have salt. Ugh. I don't have like a window a brush scraper thing, which I can't think of what that's called at the moment. I think um, it's a scraper. A scraper. She doesn't have that because why do you need that? So um, yeah, they're just like really underprepared. There's a bunch of um, people posting some different ways to handle uh, if you don't have power and um, you need to like heat your home. Mm. Um, there's like lots of lots of uh, like survival techniques that people are posting on like Instagram and Twitter and stuff. So I would highly recommend checking that out um, if you're in that situation. Well, see, but- that's, that's what I really feel bad for is yeah. because regardless of where you are losing power and not being able to really have like heat and especially being in an apartment where you can't even like light a fire like you don't have a fireplace or anything that is really scary and that's awful I really hope that they get their power back soon and that all is well because that is uh no bueno that's no bueno so let's dream of Florida weather instead um (laughs) so Key Biscayne Florida is an island town in Miami Dad uh County, Florida. So in 2018, Key Biscayne had a population of 13,000 people with a median age of 42 and a median household income of 133,000. Ooh. Yeah. So 
the really interesting thing about Key Biscayne was I originally, I was doing some research into it and, um, I, so this information came directly from the, like the, the city's website. Mm-hmm. Um, and then previous to, I was looking at uh, Wikipedia for information about Key Biscayne and the, the most recent information they had was from 2000, which literally was over 20 years ago now, which yep. is insane. Um, but it was really fascinating because in 2000, Key Biscayne, the, me- the um, median income was somewhere around $52,000. Oh, wow. And 33% of their homes were vacant. Ooh. So additional, so additionally to all of this, um, there was some, a bunch of um, condo development in Key Biscayne over the last 20 years that has now really driven the economy in the area. So really fascinating. Um, a lot of Massachusetts people that flock down there. Probably a lot of, a lot of uh, snowboard, snowbirds. Um, Snowboards. Snowboards, a lot of snowboards, <laughs> buying condos. So between 2017 and 2018, the population of Key Biscayne, Florida, Florida, excuse me, <laughs> declined from 13,000, uh, seven, 13,074 to 13,052. So they lost 20 people. So I'm not really sure why they called that out because that is a, they a lost very 20 people. It's very, I don't. That's a very small amount of people. Um, <laughs> and their median household income grew about 4.2%. Oh, they um, kicked out the one poor family. I Apparently. That's, that's why it's significant. <laughs> apparently. So the, lar- the five largest ethnic groups in Key Biscayne are uh, white. Oh, interesting. Okay, so white, in parentheses, Hispanic. Uh, mm. uh, 67.3% white non-Hispanic 30% um, other Hispanic 1.12% uh, Asian non-Hispanic 0.858% uh, and two or more which includes Hispanic 0.567% so here's my question and I don't yes. think you can answer it Okay, is white Hispanic like excuse me like from Spain or is it just it it must be because you can do I mean this is the tricky thing about this like you can be from the Dominican Republic or Cuba or Latin America and you can be white and still Latinx like that's the thing that really confuses me is is it just they look they present as white like they have very light skin so or, the way that I read that I am reading this now is this is all Hispanic. So white Hispanic would include all Hispanic. Okay. So I think that they're just like categorizing it that way. So they're saying white Hispanic and then they're saying non-white Hispanic or so non-Hispanic white. So oh my gosh, white non-Hispanic. <laughs> so basically like you are light-skinned like very light-skinned yeah I guess so I don't know why they had to call that out what I don't know why they couldn't weird just say category I agree yeah I totally agree because but the interesting thing about this is that that's 67 percent I think that's the largest mm-hmm. I mean they're saying they're white but they're they're Hispanic they're the, yeah not non-Hispanic the largest <laughs> I don't even know how to s- white is still the largest population it is 
but it's Hispanic. White with Hispanic descent. I agree. That's the first time we've seen that. Yes. Yes. Because they're saying, because so white with from, from non-Hispanic descent is only 30%. Okay, fair. So that, so the largest population is what I'm just going to say Hispanic, because I don't know why they put the, maybe someone else can explain this to us. Maybe this is like a thing, like a Florida thing that I'm not aware of. So quick little fun anecdote. Well, funny anecdote. <laughs> I used to work in this town where the vast majority of students were either immigrants from the Dominican Republic um, or they had moved from Puerto Rico or they were like first generation born in the United States from either of those two places. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, I know Puerto Rico is within the United States, but even still like they had moved from the territory to the United States. Yep. Um, They had to do this survey one time (laughs) Or like, you know, how they survey like teenagers and like, do you drink? Do you smoke? Do you do this? Like, yeah. blah, blah. So one of the kids calls me over because they have to write down their race. And he goes, so there's a category that says Hispanic non-Islander. And then there's no category for Hispanic Islander. And I was like, oh my fucking God, you are catering to the largest, one of the larger communities of hispanic islanders and you don't have that as an option oh my gosh that doesn't even make sense why would that not even be why would that not be there i just like looked at him and i was like i don't even i don't even know what to say like (sighs) i'm not sure how to answer that i don't know you can put whatever you want friend because i don't know like that is crazy town yeah oh my gosh well, talk about underrepresentation right there. Um, or why do we even have to put freaking race anyway? But... Yeah, who? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just another, yeah, place to collect information about you that doesn't yep. need to be collected. Um, so, do you already know the median property value of Key Biscayne, Florida? I don't, but let me guess. Yes, please. One million. I mean, you're close. One point two two million. Oh my god! I was gonna say five hundred thousand at first, and I was like, no, no. <laughs> don't be foolish. So the median property value is one point two two million, and the home ownership rate is seventy one point one percent. So That's it's not a bad. it's a pretty high uh, ownership rate. So. Um, this was also an interesting stat. Uh, most people in Key Biscayne, Florida, commute by uh, by driving alone, and the average commute is twenty three point five minutes. The average car ownership in Key Biscayne, Florida, is two cars per household. I thought you were gonna say something cool, like they commuted by like air, fan, boat, or something. Uh, no, unfortunately, less interesting than that. Unfortunately, they're just normal people. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, I I also wonder how many people have vacation homes there versus actually work there. That would be the question. Um, I, given the, the racial diversity in the area, it makes me, it makes me think that there actually are a lot of people who live there full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well could be. Because if you think about it, so there's 60, 67% Hispanic and 30% white, and then very small percentages of like other races. 
and there's a 71% home ownership value or home home ownership rate. So like, that's really interesting, isn't it? Mm, I know it definitely is. It's definitely a place I'd love to own a home. Yeah, I'm down. Let's buy that $1.2 million house together. Maybe if we pool our money with Beth. Let's do it. Or Kate. Kate and Beth, if you're listening, do you want, do you want to pull your money? Do you want to buy a house and keep this game Florida with us? All <laughs> we can have our, house. Can have our little commune. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So I was very excited when I did my, um, like scorned woman murder. You had a good one. You had a really good one. I really I, liked it. I did. I enjoyed that murder. It, well, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, did I, you? I enjoyed watching TV about that case. <laughs> Didn't enjoy the actual murder. Um, but then I went back to my roots and I was like, I want a socialite murder and I don't want to have mm. to do research. I want to watch a show on it. So Girl, that's yes. what I did. Love it. And I am doing the murder of Jacques uh, Mosler. Jacques Cousteau was where I thought you were. No, I don't think he was murdered. I don't um, think so either. So I got most of my information from A Crime to Remember, the TV mm. show on ID, and it's great. Love it. Um, and also Wikipedia. There we go. So this is the uh, story of the murder of Jacques Musler. Jacques was a wealthy businessman working in finance, having amassed and basically like, he, well, when he got married, the two of them had an estate of $33 million in the 1960s. Oh, in the 1960s. My. That's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jacques was doing all right for himself. Get it, Jacques. So he and um, his wife, Candy, who we'll get into later, but he and his wife, Candy, he had a mansion built for her in Houston. Yeah. How do I get that to happen for me? When can I get my mansion built? I mean, I was watching this and murder aside, Brandon, if you're listening, <laughs> I would really like to be a trophy wife and I would really like a mansion. <laughs> I mean, Jeff, I second that. He's, he's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so before, um, so the two of them were on their second marriage. Um, before marrying Jacques Candy, uh was married had two kids it was a messy divorce not super great Jacques also had a really messy divorce as well he had four daughters so um before meeting him Candy did some modeling while she had the two kids and ran a finishing school get it which I think finishing school is like oh god what's it called it's not manners school what's it called yeah like miss manners it's like yeah it's like to be like proper like etiquette yeah there's a term for it and I can't remember it um so they found each other um they met when Candace was working or helping out with a fundraiser and he was donating um the two of them got married that's a nice meet cute it is a meet cute uh they had a large family with 10 kids between the two of them oh talk about the Brady Bunch Yep. So Candy had, I, I can't with that name, Candy. It kills me, but that's what she went by, Candy. So Candy had two kids. Jacques had four daughters, and then the two of them adopted four children. 
Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good way to use your wealth. <clears throat> no, I mean, it's great. Like that is a really great use of money. And, you know, there are so many kids in foster care that really yeah, homes and absolutely. good for them. Um, so Jacques was a bit older than Candy, but it wasn't much of an issue until 10 years into their marriage when he began to have respiratory issues. Oh no. In 1962, he went to Europe for treatment. First of all, I would love to go to Europe for treatment. I'd love to go to Europe for anything. (laughs) (laughs) So he went for the better part of the year in 62. And when he came back, he was like a new person, like feeling so much better, um, he felt that the sea air helped him and decided to spend more time in Miami. He was so successful. He had businesses in Houston and he also had business in Miami. He initially uh, lived in an apartment above one of his businesses in Miami and then purchased an apartment at Governor's Lodge, which is an exclusive community in Key Biscayne. So Key Biscayne and Miami, very close together. And from what the documentary told me in... um, Forensics investigators and cadaver dogs scoured the property at a home on Mallory Dozens Crescent. of officers have been working around the clock. Pleading guilty to eight counts of murder in the first degree, this makes him Canada's biggest serial killer. This isn't your average documentary. This isn't your average story. He wasn't your average serial killer. And he was evil. The most infamous serial killer in the history of Toronto. I mean, this man was brutal relentless and my son isn't your average survivor i remember everything other than what happened during the 20 minutes but from the pictures he took during those 20 minutes i know what was probably about to happen in 2017 sean cribben became friends with a stranger from an online dating site the stranger was canada's oldest most notorious serial killer Bruce MacArthur. You're going to want to check out Was I Next? The Sean Cribben Story. Did you hear there's a serial killer in the neighborhood? In the 1960s in Miami, it was very scandalous. Mm. Women were just throwing caution to the wind. (laughs) They were wearing bikinis, you mean? (laughs) (laughs) So, um... It was in this apartment in Key Biscayne in the early morning hours of June 29th, 1964, that Jacques was found murdered. Candy had a migraine the night of the murder and left the house around 1.30 a.m. to go to the hospital for treatment. When she arrived home, she found her husband dead. He was wearing his nightshirt. Uh, He was wrapped in a blanket, had 39 stab wounds, some even going through the blanket. Oh, my gosh. And his head was bashed in. Oof. Yeah, it was brutal. So it was, like, definitely overkill. Mm-hmm. It was very passionate. Wow. Yeah. When police arrived, they found a strand of hair in Mossler's hand and a glass swan vase broken on the floor. They also found two highball glasses, three cigarette butts on the counter, and a palm print on the counter as well. So police interviewed neighbors and were able to get some information. At around 2 a.m., the dog that they had was barking on the terrace, which prompted some neighbors to come out of their apartments and into the hallway. One woman saw a man leave the complex and get into a white car. Another neighbor heard a male voice saying, quote, please don't do that to me, which is just so sad. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then silence. After a while, the dog stopped barking, and the neighbors went back into their apartments. 
So, of course, police questioned Candy first, but it was sure. confirmed that she was at the hospital with her kids when the murder happened. She, like, literally packed up all her kids to go to the hospital when she had a migraine. I mean, I guess, thank goodness she was not there? Well, so they didn't have all ten kids either at that point. Like, some of them were adult children. I see, I see. So, it wasn't a ton of children. Um, oh, my gosh. When they asked her who had hurt her husband, she had some interesting information. It was well known that Jacques was a merciless businessman. He worked in finance, so he had repossessed cars, foreclosed mortgages. So there were plenty of people in the area that he made enemies with. Candy also suggested that Jacques was gay and having multiple affairs. Oh, interesting. She explained that when he came back from Europe, his personality changed, and she believed he was inviting men back to his apartment and this was a case of a gay affair gone wrong i mean so it would make sense if he was having an affair for that person to be so like passionate in the murder because it's like it when a murder like that happens it makes you think like the spouse the you know Mm -hmm. the partner or whatever because it's so passionate so like that kind of would make sense to me at least in that aspect correct um so his personality changed blah 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 she gave the name of one man vincent who jacques had been living with for a time before he got his apartment in key biscayne so police interviewed vincent he said he had worked for jacques in houston and was relocated to miami when he was relocated he took a pay cut because of this he asked to live in a furnished apartment Jacques let him stay at his apartment rent-free, and Vincent slept on the pull-out couch. Vincent was adamant they did not have a relationship, and while his alibi was that he was just at home asleep, detectives had nothing else to tie him to the murder. Because, like, this happened in the middle of the night. Like, sure. so many people are going to be like, I was sleeping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have an alibi for your sleep? <laughs> I wish. I sleep so much. I really don't have one. <laughs> Um, so detectives did get a break on the white car that one of the neighbors had talked about. Jacques had repossessed, had repossessed a white Chevy that Candy was driving around. So Roscoe Brown was interviewed by police and he was essentially like a handyman for the family slash jack of all trades slash Mm -hmm. like did odd jobs for them. Um, he had brought the Chevy to Candy at Miami airport after she arrived back from the Bahamas with her daughter, Rita, Mm -hmm. Rita's fiance, and her nephew, Melvin Powers. They had, like, a little family vacation there. Cute. She told police... (laughs) You're gonna regret saying that. (laughs) Of course I am. It's gonna be really funny. Um, she, (laughs) She told police that she had returned the car three days before the murder, but the company she was supposed to return the car to had no record of the vehicle. Oh. Being a he said, she said case, the police put out an all points bulletin and found the car at Miami International Airport in one of the parking lots. So coming up at a dead end, police began to do investigating in Houston as well. They learned of an altercation between Melvin and Jacques where Melvin was escorted out of the house by police. So now Melvin's the nephew. Okay. So... Melvin had run into some trouble in his youth. The youths. The youths. Because of this, his mother, who was Candy's sister, asked if Candy and Jacques would help him by giving him a job. The Mosslers took Melvin in. They basically adopted him. 
Jacques gave him a well-paying job at one of his businesses and groomed him to become a manager. So he really treated him like a son, took him under his wing, um, really tried to help him turn his life around. So (laughs) Candy and Melvin began to have more than just a nephew-aunt relationship. Oh, God, this is no longer cute. I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. I li- okay, that's not where I expected that. Even when you said I that I was going to regret it, I literally didn't even expect that to be where this is going. Oh, no. Oh, it gets it gets wild, girl. Just wait. Oh, girl. <laughs> it, gets wild. it gets wild right here. Ready? Okay. So before they started their sexual relationship, Ugh. Candy had Melvin get four surgeries. What? He had to be circumcised. He had to have his ears pinned to the side of his head. He had to get his complexion smoothed out. And he had to have his tonsils removed in case he snored. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) He did all of this. And then their sexual relationship began. What? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Melvin bragged about the relationship, and it was no secret to the people who worked in the mansion. It was also rumored around town and eventually got back to Jacques, who read Candy's diary, which confirmed the affair. Oh, my. Jacques then fired Melvin and kicked him out of the house. I and mean, Melvin, fair. Melvin was like, I'm not leaving. And Jacques was like, like, hell you aren't, and yeah, called seriously. the police. And that's when he was escorted out of the house by police. Oh my gosh. Right? So (sighs) police were very suspicious of Melvin and then found the day of the murder, he flew to Miami and left the next day. They decided to arrest Melvin and found that he matched the palm print in the apartment on the countertop. At this point, detectives are also suspicious of Candy who had checked herself into the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota for migraines. Okay, so I was going to say it was a little strange that she, like, went there, went to the hospital for migraines because, I mean, like, I get really, or I did pre, pre-baby, pre I'm hoping they never get back, come back, really horrible, debilitating migraines. I have never gone to the hospital for them. Well, I guess, I mean, you have to remember it's the 60s. They didn't have, like excedrin and all of that that's a good point totally maybe she didn't know what was going on and so she would get injections for it ah okay i can see Mm -hmm. that yeah but even still the mayo clinic in minnesota yeah seriously so they they didn't have access to her they couldn't interview her so they interviewed roscoe again remember the handyman yes who told them he had cleaned and gassed up the chevy the day before the murder and saw Candy driving it the day after. Which contradicts her statement that she had returned it three days prior. Oh my gosh. Roscoe coming in with the info. Well, poor, and on the show too, they were like, Roscoe didn't realize what she had said. And I was like, oh, poor Roscoe. Poor Roscoe. He's like, oh crap, I'm going to lose he, my job. He drops the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, the hospital employees also told detectives that Candy received three phone calls while she was there, all from the same man. Police charged both Melvin and Candy for the murder of Mossler. 
The motive was likely money, as Candy would only get 200000 in a divorce due to a prenup she had signed. Which mm. I'm also like, girl, first of all, it was the 60s. 200000 is huge. 200000 is huge. Now. I would be well, like, great. I'll take 200000 Throw that right. my way. Exactly. So at the trial, six witnesses claimed they were approached by Melvin and Candy to kill Mossler. Oh, wow. They paid one man $7,000, but he did not complete the job as they were never, as he, they never paid him the remaining 3000 which also I'm like, that takes a lot of balls to get up on the stand and be like, oh yeah, I got 7000 but because they didn't pay me the full 10, I was like, nah. Oh. Yeah, I accepted the, the hitman <laughs> job, but I didn't follow through. Oh, oh cool. Okay, great. Cool. Cool. The, the, pros- the prosecution laid out the following timeline of events. Melvin flew to Miami at 6 p.m. Candace picks him up. He went to a bar that was halfway between um, the airport and uh, where Mosler was staying, had a drink, killed some time. At 1.30 a.m., Candy and her children go to the hospital because of the migraine. And that mm-hmm. was the thing that got me. I was like, why did you bring your children? Good point. If he was home. Exactly. So and it wasn't like a baby either. Yeah. How old? Do you know how old the kids were? I don't. On the show, it showed them to be like maybe like 10 and 8, something like okay. that. But like, yeah, they could. I mean, if the fa- if he was still there, then why did she need to take them? Exactly. Hmm. Um. And even if it was a baby, like, whatever. Uh, so 15 minutes later, Melvin goes to the apartment. Mossler wakes up, puts a blanket over him, walks out of the bedroom to see what's going on. He sees Powers. Powers kills him. And that's when he says the whole, like, you know, please don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, Powers washes his hand in the kitchen sink. His hand, his hands in the kitchen sink. He leaves the palm print slips out of the apartment, gets into the Chevy, drives away, finds a phone to call Candy to tell her everything was done because the last call she received is around 4.30 a.m. Yep. And then leaves fairly soon after, gets home. Um, of course, being rich, they both had incredible defense attorneys. Of course. And actually, Melvin's attorney was like a, an amazing defense attorney. So... They were so good, in fact, that they were able to poke enough holes in the case, Melvin's in particular, like the fact that the hair in Mossler's hand didn't match Candy or Melvin, they were both acquitted. Oh my gosh. Straight up acquitted. Straight up privilege. (laughs) Yeah. After the acquittal, Candy and Melvin got into a gold Cadillac kissed each other and drove off what oh yeah and this was like the trial of the century like this was like coast to coast coverage that is just madness yeah the pair lived together for a few years before separating candy inherited mossler's thriving business and continued to grow them melvin went on to become successful in real estate Candy ended up remarrying a man 19 years younger than her, but ended up divorced from him soon after, like, this mysterious fall off of her balcony. What? Unsure. (laughs) Wiki coming in with the deets. Yeah, Um, just slip that in there. And Candy overdosed on migraine medication in 1976 at 56 years old. Oh, 
My gosh. Also, funny enough, Wiki coming in with the tea. Wiki said that Melvin showed up at her funeral with another, like, hot blonde on his arm. Wiki really was just, like, trying to be (laughs) that bitch. I mean, kind of amazing. I'm here for it. I'm living for it. So Melvin was really successful in real estate, but he hit financial difficulties and ended up bankrupt in 1983. And he was, like, really never able to build his business back up. That's why you had, why he was found Um, dead in his home in 2010 at the age of 68. Wow. And that is the murder of poor Jacques Mosler. Poor Jacques. I'm sure Jacques would have been like, listen, I will pay you whatever. It's chill. He would have been like, go wife, be with your nephew i mean realistically he probably wouldn't have probably would have been like fuck you you're not getting a dime i don't really blame him i don't blame him either yeah oh my what the twists the turns that was redonkulous i did not see her fucking her nephew like that one threw me i was like that oh that definitely blindsided me that did that was not that was not on my bingo card (laughs) a cute little family vacation oh no that turned really (laughs) creepy really fast oh lord well um i don't have anything creepy like that I thought you were going to tell me you don't have anything. I'm like, Taylor, this is half of the show. (laughs) I don't have anything. I have nothing. Goodbye. (laughs) Anyway, we're done. (laughs) Uh, So there is a uh, Instagram called, uh, I think it's only in Dade. So like Miami, Dade County. Uh, And so it's like the, you know, funny, cringy, all the random stuff that happens in Miami, Dade. And so I... Um, was just like all up in that Instagram looking for stuff. Um, most of them were just really funny videos. So that obviously didn't work. Um, mm-hmm. But this story was kind of funny and I, I, I liked it. Um, so this is from the Mi- Miami Herald. So you see a lot of strange things in South Florida, according to the article. Roving gangs of peacocks, pet chickens, and large iguanas iguanas strolling through Lincoln Road are classic sightings. But what about camels on the beach? Oh, my God. Two of the animals were spotted chilling on Key Biscayne, only a few steps away from the water. No, it's not a hallucination. A video of the strange sighting was shared on Only in Dade's Instagram late last week. Uh, So this was, let's see, beep boop up, uh, February 2020. So just about a year ago now. Um, The popular Miami-Dade-based humor account says it was recorded in Key Biscayne. While it didn't happen on hump day, talk about a missed opportunity. Mike, 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 Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey. Uh, It doesn't look like the camels were stolen from the Three Kings. So oh the camels, God. I know, lots of, lots of editorializing here. The camels were part of a Macy's 2020 photo shoot at Crandon Park Beach by Crawford and Co. Productions, a Los Angeles-based company, according to Miami Dade's Office of Film and Entertainment. While the Redlands' Tony the Camel was mentioned in the comments for its events and shoots availability, it wasn't one of the stars. The camels came from Livestock for Real in Davie, which uh, specializes in Western props and antiques and animal rentals. Who knew that was a thing? (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. 
The camel duo also had people talking on social media about all the wild animals South Florida, South Florida has seen in the past week. They had a kangaroo hopping around the Redland, a pack of monkeys crossing the road, and a uh, opossum doing a balancing act as it walked o- over a red light. The sightings have some Instagram users wondering why uh, Floridians can't be normal for once. <laughs> Is there normal okay? Uh, while others are trying to figure out the reason for the back-to-back quote-unquote spotted in Dade videos. Some say it's just a usual day in South Florida, but at least one commenter has an interesting theory. Yeah, someone is definitely playing Jumanji, the Instagrammer wrote. (laughs) If that's the case, it's only a matter of time before we'll find The Rock giving someone his Dr. Bravestone smolder on Valentine's Day. I would enjoy that. Right? So uh, that is a cute little story from uh, the beach in Miami-Dade about two camels. Don't rent animals. That's not a good idea. Actually, I have kind of a thing with the monkeys. Oh, tell me. I don't know if I ever told you the story. So um, my grandparents, well, my grandfather grew up in a home in Cambridge. So my great-grandmother and great-grandfather lived in that house. Mm-hmm. It's not too far from MIT. And uh, <laughs> when she was older and she was still living in the home, she kept talking about monkeys in the trees and everyone was like, oh, you know, she's like on her way out. You know, she's, she's kind of like, she's not with it totally. And she would always talk about the monkeys in the trees. And then it came out that MIT was looking for the monkeys who had escaped from the lab. No. <laughs> they were hanging out in the tree. <laughs> That's incredible. She was like, you know what? <laughs> She's like, fuck all of you. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I definitely saw monkeys. <laughs> what ha- What a way to be vindicated. That's amazing. I know. It's kind. Of, I was like, when my dad was telling me that story, I was killing myself laughing. I was like, oh my God, that poor woman. Everyone's like, okay, grandma. Like, She's right. like, fuck all of you. <laughs> One time, uh, so Jeff and I are relatively close to a zoo around here. And uh so we went hiking and the trail is also close to the zoo and we were uh we we were up there one day and we heard this noise and I was like wow that's a really weird sounding bird and Piper was like going nuts like she was crazy and so we stopped to listen to it for a second and it was the monkeys howling oh my god and we were like are they here (laughs) i would not like to meet them right now i'm not i'm good i'm good thank you uh well you know monkeys gone wild in key biscayne monkeys gone wild uh on the north shore just everywhere just everywhere Everywhere. can't be any crazier than the people uh true that true that life well, we hope you all enjoyed a little Key Biscayne, a little murder, a little funny anecdote, and uh, we will see you all next week. Yeah, definitely. Like, subscribe, and share, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. See you next time.